Hello and welcome to the download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it is everyone's favorite day of the week, Stew's Days. And let me tell you about Stew today. We, we always do a little bit of a prep before we, uh, be, be, before we, we tape the, the formal podcast. We have a little bit of a discussion. I've got to admit, sometimes we're, we're, on a, we, 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 we're, we're kind of struggling to find the exact topic that we want to cover, but Stu came in like a pistol today. <laughs> he is just wired up with ideas today. He's he's been thinking about a ton of stuff. So so Stu, should I should I should I actually even get involved and ask questions, or you just want to go? No, no, you gotta ask the questions. You gotta ask the questions, Dave. And, and and I'll go ahead and do that, Stu. So so let's let's start with uh, let's start with stocks and get to bonds. Stock market. Um, you know, again, a nice nice little rally here, and I think next week we'll talk about the uh, the U.S. elections. But you, you, you were you were thinking about a couple of things with with respect to the conversation we had last week, which is around um, you know tops and bottoms, and you know this, whether the, we were talking last week about whether this rally's real, whether you know is it, how do we validate whether the rally's real? Uh, but 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 everyone's kind of trying to figure out when are we at the bottom of this particular pullback on the stock market, and and you had some thoughts on that just in terms of you know, there, there, there's just not going to be that sign. So how, how do you, how should investors be thinking about that? Well, you know, like, I think it's a, it's a great point. Um, uh, you know, we just spent an hour just before the podcast uh, with a great uh, U.S. market technician who, you know, always has great observations about the market. And, um, you know, many of them are rules of thumb. Uh, you know, there's always plot twists along the way. Sure. Uh, you know, we've had a pretty big, uh, you know, bounce, in the last, uh, say, five or six trading days, and um, you know, even like, you know, if you if you you know the Hang Seng, you know, some of the Chinese markets were quite weak on Monday, and and uh, you know, sometimes you'd say, well, if you saw that weakness, it would overflow to the S and P, and it really hasn't. Um, yeah. So, you know, this notion that you know tops and bottoms, uh, you know, there's a combination of the price change, and there's a combination of time, and. You know, maybe a rule of thumb is, uh, you know, two thirds of the price changes in a third of the time and one third of the price changes in two thirds of the time. Yes. Um, you know, so we had this, you know, kind of, you know, was was, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the levels of June and a couple of weeks ago were those the lows. You know, time will tell, as I say, there'll be, you know, plot twists along the way. But, um, you know, within within inside the market. You know, when everyone, you know, some of the things that are, you know, people are all focused on recession and and the likelihood that there'll be a recession. Are we in recession? We've had a lot of discussion around that on the podcast, you know, but yet at the same time, especially in the United States, anyways, financial stocks have been better. Industrial stocks have been better. And these are not the stocks that, you know, typically do well on the precipice of a major uh, recession. And, um, you know, there's there's some views out there that the you know, the COVID boom was quite uh, quick and the COVID bust might be equally quick. Hmm. Um, you know, so that kind of gets you into this, uh, you know, the, you know, how earnings might bottom. And, you know, there's been some stocks that have gone up in bad news, uh, which, you know, we've talked about as being an important ingredient as well. Um, you know, I think, I think a couple of things there, like, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, look at, say, the financial crisis and when they see a bear market, because we haven't seen one in a long time, people's, you know, naturally goes back uh, to the financial crisis. This seems, in our minds anyways, like really different. Um, 
uh, you know, balance sheets are in much better shape. Uh, there are there are some stresses, but they're not stresses inside of uh, you know financial stock, bank stocks in particular, and corporations the way that we saw back then. So um, you know, so when you're kind of doing your earning sensitivity, uh, you know, it feels like there's a better understanding of the goalposts, um, which is quite helpful when you know stocks are down a long way, and you can you know, start to say, well, what, what could recovery look like? How deep will the reset or the, the downturn be, you know, if there's a recession, you know, as I say, many people think we're already in one, but you know, that, that seems a little bit more quantifiable. Uh, you know, last week we had, um, you know, they call them the Fed whisperer, uh, which is the economist at the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, that the Federal Reserve will, you know, whisper, oh, that's my best job at whispering, Dave. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that the, you know, that the, the Fed, someone in the Fed will kind of whisper to uh, this Wall Street Journal economist and, you know, then that article around lunch on Friday saying, you know, after the next Fed meeting, uh, will they start to consider um, you know, how they kind of ease off on some of the tightening, right? Like, yeah. you know, we've put yeah. a lot of tightening in. So, you know, should we, you know, should we ease off a little bit and just see uh, the effects of everything we put in? And, uh, you know, that, 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 that you know, triggered a real rally in the stock market. Uh, you know, I think, you know, when we get into these types of rallies, like there can be gaps just as there are on the way down, there can be gaps on the way up as well. Uh, you know, there's an absence of selling. Um, people are positioned not for the market to go up. So you get, you know, some scampering that goes on on trading desks and you get, you know, big moves like we've seen in the last couple of days. Uh, in a In a bull market, uh, you you know you tend to look at where support levels are. That's often like when there's a a pullback in a bull market, it'll pull back to uh, support and then you know rally from there. In a in a bit more of a corrective market like we're in right now, then you look at resistance. Yes. And you know that's maybe still you know three or four percent away from from these levels, but you know that tends to be areas where you know the traffic might uh, you know might pick up again. So you know so we'll have to watch as that progresses. I think, you know, we we mentioned like the number of, of stocks that are seeing like two standard deviation moves uh, last week, the number of stocks that are above their 200 day moving average. I think it's I think at this juncture, you would say that that, you know, that type of support is not yet present. Yeah. So, you know, to get a really good bull market, uh, like a real thrust, you know, you'd see the number of stocks above their 200 day moving average might be you know greater than 40 percent. And, you know, we're still in the kind of 25% range. You know, we look for a lot of stocks, like do they get above their August highs? You know, those are some of the things that we're looking for on that front. You know, seasonality is is helpful here. Um, you know, so there's, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of tea leaves that everyone's reading to try and negotiate the short term. But I think, um, you know, I think from a longer term standpoint, like, you know, have we seen the low? I, you know, I don't know, but you know, the internals of the market are a little bit more suggestive that whatever's in front of the economy may not quite be as bad as uh, as people are thinking. Yeah. Wow. My my uh, my my wife sometimes criticizes me for uh, for occasionally exaggerating, but I, I certainly didn't exaggerate. You're uh, you're just a you're just a ball of energy today, Stu. You got a lot of you got a lot of stuff going on. That was a lot of interesting things there. I, I, I want to drill in on a couple of things you said though. So, so, so one was, was, was kind of early in what you were talking about, which is this idea of the two thirds of the move happens in one third of the time 
one third of the move happens in the other two thirds of the time. Is is it typical that you see that two thirds of the move in one third of the time coming off the bottom or coming down from the top? And is that what may is that one of the elements that makes markets so difficult to time? Uh, it it is it, it it's a bit it's a bit more true for a decline. Although even okay. when markets come off the bottom, you tend to get a very explosive period. Um, you know, thankfully. Uh, you know, not just in this case, but almost in all cases, bull markets last longer than bear markets. Yes. Right. So, so bull markets tend to have that initial thrust, then a period of debate, and then a more lengthy expansion. Uh, you know, bear markets tend to have a concern, and it causes deleveraging. Uh, you know, that deleveraging might be because people had borrowed money. It might be because they're worried. That can be quite uh, quick. So, so ten, you know, the, the, the thrust off the bottom and the decline, the initial phases tend to both be quite quick, but bear markets in general are faster than, uh, than bull markets. And, you know, the reason, you know, bear markets end, you know, we've, my partner Doug would say, you know, bear markets end with mathematics. So you can frame an earnings story. You can see the dividend yield you're getting. You can say, well, I don't know exactly when this turns, but this is good enough for me. And then, you know, so people are out with their catcher's mitt and, uh, and, you know, they're collecting stocks and they're saying, I don't know if this will be 12 months, 24 months, whatever, before recovery, but I'm going to make good money. And, uh, you know, quite often when you're in that process, it ends up happening faster than you think. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a set of speeches right now. I was in uh, St. John's, Newfoundland last night, Halifax today, doing the coast to coast tomorrow, going from Halifax to Vancouver uh, in, uh, in, in one day to do a, a, an, an event tomorrow. And one of the charts that we've got in, I think we, we covered this uh, about three, four weeks ago uh, on the pod, uh, is is the bounces from the last four bear markets in the, in the first month. And the ones that stand out uh, is is the 2008-2009 event. And markets were up in excess of 25% in the first month coming out of the March 9th, 2009 bottom. Uh, similarly, you had an over 20% bounce out of the bottom the first month out of the COVID drop, which was a 35% downdraft. And then of course we had the, the big jump up that first month and then it carried on uh, through to uh, earlier this year uh, when we've had the pullback. So the, 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 one, of the, one of the big takeaways as, as I'm talking to investors is this whole idea that, you know, back then, if you, the easier one to remember is, is the COVID bounce. But, you know, if you think of late March, 2020, it's only really March 12th, 13th, which is when, uh, you know, it's announced that uh, international travel is, is, is stopped, that the lockdowns go into phase. So really it's just two and a half weeks later, that was the bottom and you needed to be able to figure that out and be there to get that in excess of 20% bounce in stocks. Even a balanced portfolio bounced 10%. Uh, off of that bottom, so it's it 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 is one of those things where that when that bounce happens, you know we can look back now, you know, a, a couple of years later and say, oh yes, of course that that bounce was going to happen, but it's very rarely just sitting there right in front of you uh, that 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 bounce is going to happen, and you need to be there to get that bounce to get all the benefits of holding stocks uh, over the long haul. Yeah, no, hundred percent, and I think that's. Uh... Uh, and I, I know you you uh, you like your drinking game, but the dollar cost averaging, like yep. once you're once you're into the final third of the time, it is just an outstanding time to be dollar cost averaging. 
it, it, it absolutely uh, is. And I, I, I was, uh, I actually wasn't thinking of the drinking game. I was thinking of, uh, of uh, that, that I, I came with some energy there too, Stu. So, so let's, uh, so, so let's move away from stocks because uh, a, a lot of the investors that I'm talking with as I'm traveling, th- this has been, as, as we've said many times before, stock investors kind of get the ups and downs of the stock market. What's been really tough this year is the bond market. And you were just, uh, again, in some of the discussions that you've been having today with your colleagues, looking at the bond market and and just a, a, a way of thinking about, you know, how some of the value has built up in the bond market as, as rates have risen over the last, uh, particularly over the last six months, but really over the last two years. Yeah, like a couple of things that stick out about the bond market in terms of uh, indecision, uh, you know, volatility uh, is this notion that more things you know, can happen than will happen. And, um, and many of the listeners, uh, you know, have not enjoyed the volatility in stocks, which gets a lot of attention. But the volatility in the bond market has been about twice as much as the volatility in the stock market. So when volatility is high, uh, you know, that's normally when you have indecision. And, you know, that's a great time to, you know, start looking at something when that volatility is high. So, you know, the change in the bond market, and, you know, I'm a little bit out of my depth here because I'm not I'm not a, a bond guy or a fixed income person. But um, what you're what you see in the bond market today is a level of coupon. So cash payment to you. Yes. That uh, is as high as it's been really in 15 years. Yeah. Um, like we haven't seen we haven't seen this level since, uh, you know, really pre financial crisis. And so then. So you have the absolute level of yields that come to you from the government. And then on top of that, you add in spread for corporate investment and more spread for high yield and so forth. And, um, you know, while the spreads uh, are, you know, at or a little bit above average, the absolute level of coupon yield available is uh, at, at pretty good levels. Yeah. So, you know, as even as an equity investor, when you think about the path forward, if a high yield a bond fund is yielding, you know, eight to ten percent, that's that's not a bad starting point. Like you know, that eight to ten percent is designed to pay for, uh, you know, the odd company that goes bankrupt and what have you. Um, so so even though spreads are uh, not at extreme levels, the absolute levels are are more interesting, and it kind of backs down into the the rest of the yield stack. So. You know, even if I was looking at a ten-year bond today, uh, you know, if I if I you know yesterday we we're at four and a quarter, we're a little bit lower today. But uh, you know, if I if I buy that bond for a hundred dollars and I get my four and a quarter, even if a year from now, interest rates are up another hundred basis points, which you know would be pretty significant from these levels, yeah. uh, my total return on that bond is uh, is not too far off flat, yes. because. The coupon starts to pay for the price decline that would take place in that. Yet, if inflation is peaking as we believe it is, and sometime in the next six to 12 months, the Fed and central banks will take their foot off the uh, accelerator on interest rates, go flat, perhaps you know even begin to entertain a cut uh, at the end of next year, you know that bond might be three and a half or three and a quarter. In which case you would collect your coupon and you would get an accelerant of the price improvement that you get from that bond. So, um, 
you know, so I would say increasingly when we're having, you know, discussions with, you know, pretty good market uh, observance, uh, you know, the question is, is increasingly coming around to the interest in the fixed income side of the equation, uh, not, you know, not just positioning the portfolio on the equity side. Yeah, and 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 the one thing it, it's been tough for fixed income investors this year, but what it does set up as we start to look forward, and we always talk about investment decisions are made every day. Um, holding something is an, is a, is a buy decision, right? So so if you're holding an investment, you're making a decision every day whether you're going to continue to hold it. So we're talking about today and forward, and for so many investors who are in retirement, moving into retirement. Who have been worried or concerned or or disappointed that yields have been so low for so long uh, that what you would earn on cash or cash equivalents has been so low you now have a chance to sit down with the money you've accumulated through your life and rethink how you're going to drive income off your portfolio because the opportunities have changed so dramatically and just really in a six-month period certainly over two years but Really, over the last six months, great time to sit down and get advice from a from a, a, a good advisor on how to structure that income and take advantage of rates where they are today uh, to make sure that your you know your living expenses, your lifestyle expenses, and even what legacy you might leave off your retirement uh, is is going to be in place, uh, as you say. And and uh, you know we talk about stocks and bonds. There's that, or, or a balanced portfolio, the opportunity to dollar cost average, always a, a, a good thing to think about where there's still quite a bit of uncertainty in markets. Uh, but, but there's a lot of good things to talk to your advisor about right now to get yourself positioned for where we're going forward. And, I, and you know, you, you've done, you, you've, you've come in with so many different interesting things, in particularly in today's podcast, to highlight um, you know, where that conversation can start on the equity side and the fixed income side uh, if you're an investor. So, Stu, uh, wow, that was fabulous today. Really good Stu's days. Thanks very much, Dave. And uh, I'm going to call your trip the Bobby Orr trip, coast to coast. Coast to coast. Number four, yep. Robert Orr. Excellent. Well, thanks, Stu, and we'll see you next week. Safe travels. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.